of freedom come new levels of repression, suppression, and silencing of true speech driven by a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? I don't think so. So how does the truth avoid being a casualty? It finds an ally. The Truth News Network. And your conductor on this underground railroad is Dan Newman. Gotta be honest with you, my very best friend in all the world is the truth. Gotta have it, folks, and I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. Thank you so much for joining us here this morning at Truth News Network's TNN Live, a production of www.truthnewsnet.org. We're so glad you joined us today, and especially because we've got a really big announcement we're going to make at the end of the first hour of today's show. If you're just joining us, and a lot of you are, We do this every morning, Monday through Friday, from 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. And for those of you who are in other time zones, you never have to miss a show, ever. You can get it live or you can get it after the fact. We'll give you more details as the day progresses. But boy, is the world full of big news. You probably don't know this, but your president, president of the United States of America, is in Europe. He's headed over to uh, Geneva, Switzerland, where he's going to meet with his nemesis, the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. Boy, to be a fly on the wall, knowing what is being said in preparation by Biden's crew, trying to get him set to go up against his arch nemesis. It's almost like Batman (laughs) and the Joker. And I'm not sure which of the two is going to be the Joker. (laughs) It's not funny, folks, but if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. The leader of the number one nation in the free world, he's almost like an empty suit. Did you pay attention to some of the stuff that went on yesterday and the day before? He's oblivious to the world that's around him and who's involved in it. And he's saying the silliest craziest things. I have no idea what he's thinking. Nobody does. In fact, it's pretty obvious that his people, his so-called handlers, can't get a handle on Joe Biden himself. And he just gets lost when he's talking to people, even reading from his own teleprompter. Here's an example. He was asked yesterday by one reporter if Vladimir Putin is a killer. Listen to the president's response to that question. In a weekend interview, Vladimir Putin laughed at the suggestion that you had called him a killer. Is that still your belief, sir, that he is a killer? And I'll continue the trend if you don't mind of asking a second question. Do you believe if he does agree to cooperate, then what kind of a challenge do you find yourself in? How would you ever trust him? And if Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify, what do you say to Vladimir Putin? <laughs> Answer the first question. <laughs> I'm laughing too. They actually, I. Well, look, I mean, he has made clear that uh, uh, the answer is I believe he is in the past essentially acknowledge that he was uh, 
There are certain things that he would do or did do. But look, um, when I was asked that question on air, I answered it honestly. But it's not much of a I, I, I don't think it matters a whole lot in terms of this next meeting we're about to have. Put that whole thing in perspective. This is the president of the United States of America, and he is on an international stage, an international stage. And he's asked a question about the guy he's fixing to go one-on-one with in some type of debate, which we won't see. It's going to be a meeting, and I don't trust that our president's going to go into that meeting with any real specific things in mind. And I believe that is the case, is going to be the case. We've seen no evidence of him having any real significant information or things in mind when he when he begins to speak. He just starts speaking and laughing. Did you hear him laughing first? That's what I'm doing about your first question. I'm laughing. And then listen again to this pause. Well, look, I mean, he has made clear that... Uh, uh, this is all legit, what you're listening to now. Silence. The answer is, I believe he has in the past essentially acknowledged that he was, uh, there are certain things that he would do or did do. But look, um, when I was asked that question on air, I answered it honestly. But it's not much of a, I, I, I don't think it matters a whole lot in terms of this next meeting we're about to have. Jeez, Joe. How about, do you still think Vladimir Putin is a killer? How about a real coherent answer like, yes? <laughs> or if that's no longer your feeling, say, no. I mean, why sit there? What do you think he was considering during that? Let's see how long this pause was. Let's see, 40, 45. It was 10 seconds of dead silence in an international press briefing that was televised around the world, live. Our president, our guy is over there and he's representing us against, if not the number one, at least in the top two international criminals over a country in the world. Who do you think has got the the edge in that battle that is going to take place uh, tomorrow, actually, he's got another. Joe's got another 24 hours to get ready for Vlad. It's going to be the battle of the monsters, the giants on Earth. Xi Jinping, I'm sure, is going to be watching closely to see, hey, if Vlad gets a little bit over on Joe, maybe I can do the same thing. Maybe he owes Vladimir just like he owes us for big favors we've done for him and his family and uh, Vladimir will show us what we can get away with. I got to be honest, we can't make fun of it. This is the president, our president of the United States. We may not agree, we may not like his mannerisms, we may not like his politics, but he is our leader. He is the only president of the United States that we have right now, and uh, there is a remote possibility for a multitude of reasons. Got to be honest with you, it's the same thing for every president there's a possibility this president will not finish his term in office. What happens then? What happens if Joe Biden wakes up one morning and 
he just doesn't have it anymore. And Jill picks up the phone and calls the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, calls Vice President Kamala Harris and say, listen, guys, we got a problem. Joe can't do it anymore. He's going to have to step down. Of course, when any president steps down, first in line to follow that president is the vice president. That means, folks, things would get a whole lot better. We would have Kamala Harris, currently our vice president, would become the next president of the United States. And, of course, we all know Kamala's got everything together. She is a consummate professional. She understands management. She's got tremendous management experience in her wake. Yes, she does. She was a prosecutor. She was a district attorney. She was the attorney general of California, then a United States senator. She understands everything about running anything, even though she's never run anything. She was, according to the people who she worked with and who worked for her, she was a horrible prosecutor. She was a terrible district attorney, and she was unbelievably vile in the way she handled being attorney general in California. If you remember when she was running for uh, the Democrat presidential nomination to go up against Donald Trump in the 2020 election, you remember that conversation that came out on a radio show? She was laughing with the radio host who asked her on air live some morning show, forget which one it was. Had she ever smoked marijuana? And she did her famous cackling. (laughs) Of course I have. And she said that, and the friends and family members of the thousands, thousands, folks, that she prosecuted, first as a district attorney, later as the attorney general of the state of California, people that were put in jail, and when those cases were being adjudicated, she threw the book at every one of them. That may play into the reason why she dropped out of that race for the Democrat nomination to run against Trump. She dropped out even before the very first debate. She had hardly any support from voters in her own state, California. So she, unless God intervenes and keeps Joe going, she's going to be our next president. I don't think it's a question of if. I think it's only a question of when. Now, what about Kamala? What about our friends down south? If you've ever wondered what our neighbors in foreign countries, experts, media folks, people in politics, what they really think about American leadership, it's interesting. You don't hear much from the mainstream media about Joe Biden or even Kamala Harris. But boy, remember when Donald Trump and Mike Pence were president, vice president, their four years, mainstream media would go just, they would track down foreign leaders, especially after our leaders met with them and they would just drill them, asking them questions. What do you think about Donald Trump? Do you feel like your hands are dirty when you leave a a meeting with Donald Trump or Mike? I mean, it was just horrible what happened there. So what do people think about Kamala Harris? After all, as we just talked about, she may be the next president of the United States and may become that far sooner than anybody expects. We always like to look down south, go down under. 
and hear from our friends at Sky News. That's not that's not at all a conservative television network down in Australia. But they look at things a little bit different than media up here in the United States. If and when they see a story, they report on the story. Novel idea, huh? <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful if the American media just threw out the facts when bad things happen regarding everything? They just simply can't or they won't do that. They have to report this stuff, but they report it with a little spin, a little flavor, personal interpretation, because after all, the general population of America, like me, maybe like you, I hope not, but the general population of America is too stupid to understand. We need to have interpretations of facts. Here, listen closely. This is just a little over a minute, minute and a half. Sky News talking about our vice president, Kamala Harris. Of course, Kamala Harris uh, went to Guatemala last week to try to work out the causes of people trying to uh, leave Central America and making their way towards the Mexican border. Of course, she is not the president of the world, not the vice president of the world, uh, not even the senator for the world, but she's the vice president of the United States. So it's kind of reasonable that people keep saying, hey, you're the one in charge of this uh, problem at the border. Feel free to go to the border. At, at some point, you know, I... We are going to the border. We've been to the border. So this whole, this, whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. Uh, okay. Um, so apparently she's just a giant toddler. But she's perfect. Remember, she's perfect and you're not allowed to question her. Because if so... Racist, sexist. This lady on TV tells me that. But because she is a woman and a woman of color, the level of scrutiny that she is getting from both the left and the right is really off the chart. As I say in my USA Today piece, as, a, as the first black and first Asian and first woman to hold the second most powerful job in the country, she can't keep anybody happy. It's not possible. I... I couldn't say that truthfully because I don't know anything about she and her husband. I hope she makes him happy because she's not making too many other Americans happy in her actions. I mean, every day it just seems like more stuff, more egregious information comes out about Kamala Harris. As we told you yesterday and as was published overnight, 1.45 a.m. Central Time when our story went live Incidentally, that happens every night here at Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. When a story is written and it goes live, it goes live early in the morning. So for those of you who can't sleep well, well, just wake up, get up, and go read what we published and uh, distributed overnight. In that story, as promised, we presented a whole lot of things that you, many of, don't even know about Kamala Harris. She's got a speckled past. And her present (laughs) certainly is very speckled. So much so that we have named, we chose a fitting name for the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris. And from now on, her name on this show is Calamity Kamala or Calamity Kamala. 
because that works, it sounds better, even though we get excoriated. If anybody, especially anybody in media, is caught pronouncing her first name Kamala. I don't know. I mean, if it's her name, I'm going to say Kamala just because if you want to be professional, you got to do the right thing. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, folks, you're going to hear the nitty-gritty about your vice president, Calamity Kamala, Kamala Harris. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo. But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing. None of this makes sense. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted six-month-old six cheddar, cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink? Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra drinks excludes freezes. The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. I still struggle with that brats and kraut thing. I just, I've never been, I love cabbage. Actually, I don't like regular cooked cabbage, but I adore raw cabbage salads. Oh my gosh, put some vinegar, throw in some other types of vegetables, some crunchy stuff. There is very little better as a uh, getting start for dinner than a cabbage salad. Anyway, just saying. Hey, listen, Vice President Kamala Harris, she, when she joined the Biden ticket to run for his vice president, she brought a bunch of baggage with her. Considerable political career in California, folks, is littered with the bodies of her victims. And some of those victims were kids. No doubt, the mainstream media continually give her a free pass. In that last audio bite, you heard that reporter, USA Today reporter, just excoriating anyone and everyone that doesn't think Kamala Harris is doing a good job as vice president. And of course, they always throw up the race card. Now remember, Kamala Harris is not African-American. Hmm, she is a female. 
Her father is Jamaican. Her mother is from the nation of India. And if you didn't know, like I didn't know, I didn't understand until I listened to that audio bite we just played from that USA Today reporter, I guess Kamala's mother being from India means that Kamala is part Indian. Asian is what the reporter said. I guess India technically is in Asia. I I don't know. But, you know, we got to put a title on everybody that we talk about today. Most Americans first noted Kamala's political dark side during the Senate Judiciary Committee hearings. Remember those? They were considering to confirm Brett Kavanaugh and then Amy Coney Barrett. She was by any measure during all of those hearings rude, obstinate, downright ugly to those two now Supreme Court justices. But that darkness had been with her quite a while before you saw her on that national stage. Kamala was known as being ruthless to anyone who crossed her while she was the Attorney General of California. Her rep was she throwed the book at anybody who opposed her politically while allowing people she liked to get away with just about anything. When she was district attorney, Kamala established a truancy court. You know what they did? They prosecuted parents if their kids missed school. That, does, that, that doesn't seem really serious enough to be prosecuted to me. Just saying. Then in 2010, she sponsored a state law that made truancy a criminal misdemeanor. And as a result of that law, dozens of parents have been charged across California. At least two of those parents have spent significant time in jail. Some of the people who suffered from the truancy laws include chronically ill people, single moms, parents of kids who had been traumatized by bullying at their schools and didn't and refused to go to school. Harris refused to investigate the police shootings of two black men in 2014 and 2015. You know, you gotta, you got to make everything if you're in politics. It all begins and ends with race. She also didn't support a 2015 bill in California in the Assembly requiring the Attorney General to appoint a special prosecutor specializing in police use of deadly force. But of course, she changed her tune. She had to when she began her campaign for U.S. Senate. Got to come out against those cops if you're a Democrat. In video footage from 2013, Harris appears to mock those on the left who chanted reforms like build schools, not jails, and put more money into education, not prisons. Her response indicates that they are naive sloganeers who don't understand criminal crime prevention. However, critics argue that this shows that Harris was more interested in sending people to prison rather than looking at preemptive measures to reduce crime and keep people out of prisons. Novel idea. As DA and State Attorney General, Calamity Kamala, I can't even say it together, Calamity Kamala led offices that criminal justice advocates say were overly aggressive in pursuing convictions and they lack transparency. She's alleged to have fought tooth and nail to uphold wrongful convictions that were secured through official misconduct. And some of that misconduct included evidence tampering, false testimony, 
suppression of crucial information by some of the prosecutors underneath her. In 2015, lawyers for one inmate convicted of murder attempted to have the case thrown out after new evidence suggested that Riverside County prosecutors lied on the stand during the initial trial. Harris's office, representing the state, of course, they resisted, only backing down after footage of one of her deputies being eviscerated by three federal judges went viral. In other words, didn't plan on doing anything, didn't do anything until they got caught with their hands in the cookie jar, lying. Her past in California was just as vile. It started way before she became a district attorney. Critics say that she slept her way to the top. They highlighted her relationship with Willie Brown. If you remember, you hear about Willie, he's been around, especially Northern California, forever. He's a powerhouse, has been for decades in California politics. When they got together, they being Calamity Kamala and Willie Brown, he was 30 years older than she. And from his position, he appointed Harris to the California Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board and the Medical Assistance Commission. Positions that together, which she was doing both at the same time, paid her about 80 grand a year on top of her prosecutor's salary. Last year, Willie Brown, he later became the mayor of San Francisco. He claimed that while dating Harris, he gave her powerful and influential appointments in government that furthered her political career. In a letter that was published in the San Francisco Chronicle, he wrote this, quote, Yes, we dated. It was more than 20 years ago. Yes, I may have influenced her career by appointing her to two state commissions when I was assembly speaker. And I certainly helped her with her first race for district attorney in San Francisco. The difference is, this is him talking, the difference is that Harris is the only one who, after I helped her, sent word that I would be indicted if I so much as jaywalked while she was district attorney. <laughs> he concluded by saying this. That's politics for you. Just as a note, a side note, there are new, if you go online and Google Willie Brown, Kamala Harris, there's a bevy of photographs showing Willie Brown and his wife, who he still remains married to, and Kamala Harris, arm in arm, going to, being part of, laughing and cutting up, eating dinner together, political events. It was like they were a threesome. I'm not going to weigh in. I'm just saying that's in her past. So now we'll move forward to the national Kamala Harris. She was elected to the Senate, the U.S. Senate, 2017. She, of course, it was and is a Democrat. She was and is a woman of color, though not African-American. She garnered much attention and favor from her fellow Senate members. She quickly found a spot on the very prestigious Senate Judiciary Committee. Very few remember details of her brief and failed 2019 campaign for the Democrat Party nomination to run against Trump. Her public demeanor and somewhat nasty representations plagued her in the campaign, and so, as a result, she struggled to relate to American voters who spotted her dark side pretty quickly, in spite of her cackle. Subsequently, she drew just minuscule numbers in the polls, even in her own state. 
And so after a shellacking by Representative Tulsi Gabbard in one national debate, Kamala dropped out of the race before January 1st of 2020. Many Democrats were aghast that she got the nod to then join the Biden ticket. Speculation abounds as to her being the choice. Certainly, her skin color and gender weighed heavily in her becoming Biden's running mate. You know what? Second thought, I may be a little bit silly, but doesn't that, doesn't that her skin color and gender weighed heavily in her becoming Biden's running mate, doesn't that seem to be a bit racist and sexist just because of her gender and race she would be picked? But of course, history makes it clear they won the election. Upon becoming president, Biden created a disaster at the nation's southern border. I mean, even before he became president, in the last days of the campaign, he started it all by, on national and international television, telling everybody in Central America, soon as I take the oath of office, I'm going to open the gates. Y'all can just come on up. He foolishly ordered an immediate halt to the construction of our border wall. He stopped the stay in Mexico policy that was working so well under Donald Trump. The result has been a massive increase in the number of illegal immigrants entering the U.S. That's another story. We're not going to get into that here. This stampede of migrants has overwhelmed all of our resources, especially down south at the border, created a true humanitarian catastrophe, and his administration nor him will even admit or ever allow anybody to call it a crisis at the southern border. They won't even let you say that. To show he was taking action to deal with the problem, he had to find somebody in politics in his administration to go down and do just that. Who did he choose? Vice President Kamala Harris. She was, and still is, his point person on the border crisis. There's the C word. I said it. They didn't. (laughs) Crisis. Even though he has selected crazed leftists for many of the positions in his administration, when he chose Harris... That may have been his worst appointment. I'm talking about the border czar thing. She's a total embarrassment. She's never succeeded in any position throughout her political career other than to move up to the next level and get elected there. As a presidential candidate, she couldn't handle it. Her fundraising collapsed. She exited several months before the first presidential caucus. Biden, he came to the rescue. He saved her from political obscurity when he chose her as his running mate. However, as the VP candidate, she failed to capture the imagination of any serious voter. She was fairly ineffective and hardly ever seen doing meetings, speeches in the public as a candidate. And the same thing holds true today. She still hadn't had a press conference. And 80 days now, folks. In her only televised debate with her Republican opponent, Vice President Mike Pence, she was terrible. And even the far-left pundits said she lost that debate convincingly. Her performance as VP over the last year, it hadn't been a year, Dan. Golly, it seems like it's been a decade with Joe and her doing their thing. But so far, she's been even worse So it's mystifying why Biden would choose her for such an important role in dealing with the border crisis. 
In this spot, she's been even worse than was expected, acting in an arrogant, ill-informed manner that has only increased the horrors at the crisis of the southern border. For months, she's been dodging questions about whether she would even go to the border. Eventually, the Biden administration morphed her mission into what they call an investigation of the root causes of the border catastrophe. To further the investigation, she went to Guatemala and Mexico last week. And to say it was an unmitigated disaster is something of an understatement. It was possibly the worst foreign trip for any United States vice president in modern history. Her performance was so bad that even pro-Biden news outlet like CNN reported the White House was disappointed in the trip and perplexed by her statements. One example, in an interview with NBC News anchor Lester Holt, Harris seemed unprepared when he asked her about visiting the border. You heard a little bit of that just a few minutes ago in our opening, that soundbite from Lester Holt's interview with her. Her answer when she did the, well, I hadn't been to Europe either. <laughs> it was so poor that Megan McCain of The View, ABC's The View, commented that Harris sounded like a moron. McCain also noted that Harris seems to laugh whenever asked about that question. She remarked that her nervous laugh is making me nervous that she doesn't know what she's doing. Sadly, folks, it really is sad. She doesn't know what she's doing on any issue, at least one that we've seen so far. Her incompetence was on display during her recent trip where she clearly didn't make any friends. In Guatemala, the vice president was greeted by angry local Guatemalan residents who were upset that the Biden administration policies had worsened the problems in their country. Their signs read, and mainstream media didn't show any of this, but they were everywhere on the internet. Trump won. Go home. And Kamala, mind your own business. And they had the state of mind to do all these posters in English because they knew American media, at least some American media, would pick it up. They want to make sure we could read their signs. In that meeting with the president of Guatemala, wasn't too much better. He noted his disagreements with the Biden administration on the border crisis. In one CBS interview that aired right before the vice president arrived, Giamatti, who is the president of Guatemala, criticized the Biden administration. He said, quote, we asked the U.S. government to send more of a clear message to stop more people from leaving down here. He also observed that he was not on the same side of the coin as the vice president on the issue of migration. In our press conference with him, Harris stated that migrants should not come to the U.S. for asylum because they're going to be returned to their home country. She claimed that the president and I discussed that fundamentally. Most people don't want to leave home. They don't want to leave the place where the language they know is spoken. So in spite of the challenges of traveling thousands of miles in dangerous conditions, the illegals continue to come. Why? because the Biden-Harris administration has created, they won't say it, they won't call it, but it's literally an open border. Besides stopping the border wall construction, remain in Mexico, the Trump policy, 
for asylum seekers. They canceled it immediately. In addition, immigration court cases are being fast-tracked for families that recently crossed into the country from Mexico. Illegals have viewed the Biden administration policies as a clear sign, come on up, open door for you, south of Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. The results are catastrophic and predictable. According to Customs and Border Protection, 178,000 illegals were apprehended at the border in April. The influx is not stopping as the problem continues to explode. It was revealed yesterday that last month, the month of May, in addition to the illegals that were confronted and stopped, a quarter of a million that were identified but never caught came into the country in addition to those illegals that came to Border Patrol. Now, Harris is the person charged by the president to deal with all this. She's refused to even visit the border and look at the problem personally. She now claims she's going to make the trek at some point, her words. This delay has been totally unacceptable, and it continues to exacerbate the difficulties, the problems, and the lives of those who are making that long, arduous trek coming along with coyotes, human smugglers, sex traffickers, coyotes that are charging families tens of thousands of dollars to take their kids to America. According to U.S. Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa, quote, I hope she does visit the southern border very soon. It's imperative. The longer she waits, the harder it is for her to explain why she hasn't gone. For Vice President Harris, there'll be no escape from the border question until she goes. You can book that. It's done. She's done. And because she's made it such a big deal, when she does decide to go, every jot and tittle is going to be covered ad nauseum in the media, and she will not win. There's no way she can win now. If no other thing, she will be lambasted with, why did you wait so long? to come see if you're really serious about finding the sources of the problem and fixing them. How can you do that if you don't know specifically by looking in firsthand what the problems are really doing? Not only is her refusal to visit the border a major problem, her lack of consistency is not helping her or anyone else. After she told migrants to stay home during her visit to Guatemala. Listen to what she did. She changed her tune in an interview on Friday when she was on live with the Spanish news wire service called EFE. Instead, she claimed that she was committed to providing a haven for those seeking asylum. So which is it? Calamity Kamala. Which is it? Stay, don't come, or... I'm creating a haven for those seeking asylum. She said those two sentences, don't come, and then I'm creating a haven for those seeking asylum. She said both of those in a space of 36 hours on international television. She is the epitome of both inconsistency and incompetence. 
and folks, we got Joe Biden. <laughs> He's both inconsistent and he is incompetent, at least what we're reading and watching and listening to him say. We're in deep doo-doo. <laughs> it's clear her eyes are set on replacing Joe in the White House and she doesn't care. It's either going to be running against a Republican opponent when Biden's completed his term, or even if Biden steps away during his term in office for some reason. It's also clear to most Americans that calamity, Kamala, is not qualified to become the chief executive of the United States. And even if she is qualified, her incessant Hillary Clinton cackle ramped up a notch or two would certainly cost her votes for many Americans if she runs for election. Let me make a prediction here. She is toast. She's toast. And I don't say that with glee. That's not why I'm looking at it. It's just just, we're all in the same boat, folks. You got to smile or you'll cry. You got to laugh or you'll just lose it thinking about our president and vice president in the context of all of the major horrors and international matters that are led by, in many cases, the leaders historically of our nation. We're considered to be the greatest, the number one problem solvers, not just for us, but for other countries. We reach out, we help. And the only thing Joe and Kamala can do in that regard now is write a check. Oh my gosh. That in itself is a real calamity, isn't it? Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples. Make more happen. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar. Or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember the naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are. TNN. 
the Truth News Network. Hey, hey, hey. There's some good news for everybody looking ahead at vacation time. I mean, we're in the middle of June. Literally, today's the 15th of the month. June is known as the breakaway day in history for Americans because many of us, we like to head to the coast, either the Redneck Riviera and the uh, part of Northwest Florida, the East Coast up and down, and of course, Southern California, the Mecca for vacations. Well, you know, they're, they're shut down out there. We can't go to California. Well, guess what? Today is the R Day. It's the reopening day. California reopens today. Bars, restaurants, amusement parks. They're full capacity. Hey, hey, hey. Los Angeles Times. Changes at all sorts of public spaces will be dramatic, said Dr. Barbara Farrar, Los Angeles County Public Health Director. It's huge, she said, for restaurants, bars, nightclubs, card rooms, family entertainment centers. There will not be specific protocols. There will be no capacity limits, no distancing requirements. Californians who are fully vaccinated will be able to stop wearing masks in most situations. Unless, of course, a business or venue decides to keep masks mandatory for everyone. Fully vaccinated employees, however, may have to wait a little longer before taking their mask off in the workplace. The California Occupational Safety and Health Standards Board suggested it would approve a new rule that allows fully vaccinated employees to stop wearing masks in most workplaces, effective June 28. Embattled California Governor Gavin Newsom, and he is going to face a recall election. He preempted the new rule when he announced yesterday that workers who have been vaccinated will not have to wear masks as of Thursday of this week. How about that? The state's going to mark the day with a lottery, drawing the names of 10 lucky Californians who have received at least one dose of vaccine, and the winner from the 10 is going to get $1.5 million. That'll just about pay for real estate taxes on their home for a year or two. million and a half, I'm joking. There are going to be some other prizes to be drawn, including six dream vacations throughout the state of California. This is a big turnaround for the state. Nobody can deny that, but it's kind of going to be like this. Is it too little too late? Is it melodramatic that it's happening under these circumstances? Because quite honestly, other states that are similar in what they do and how they're constituted as California, they've been this way, some of them, for months. And things have been rocking right along. But in California... They were the most egregious in lockdowns. They started it before anybody else. They're coming off of it later than anybody else. And the horrors that occurred while they were shut down, they're not fully known yet. And what we do know, it's going to be a long time if California ever gets back together and all the things that they've lost, the people, the businesses, the government, It's just horrible the way that Gavin Newsom has run this state almost like 
a dictator, like everybody said Donald Trump was going to try to do in the United States. Do you know his administration didn't shut down one state, didn't issue one mandatory order about anything? Why do you think that would be the case in the context of what everybody told us for four years, three years before this happened? Oh, he's a, he's a dictator wannabe. He's an autocrat. He wants to control everything unilaterally. He doesn't want Congress. He doesn't want states to have any rights or any individual governments. He wants his administration to make every choice and every decision. And then when it came right down to a situation where that would have even been a possibility, all he would have had to have done is declare a national emergency, martial law. And then in that scenario, the federal government would have controlled everything. There are a lot of people that pushed him to do just that, and he said, nope, I'm going to leave the power in the hands of the people. We're not going to try to do everything and make every decision and every choice here in Washington, D.C. We're going to let the states, the local municipalities, the people of the United States determine what's best for them where they live. Novel idea, huh? (laughs) Isn't it odd? He was the only one that wanted to make certain that all of the power of governing remained where our forefathers wanted it to remain and structured the United States Constitution to guarantee just that. People of, by, and for. Of, by, and for. Government had to be of, by, and for the people. Not, certainly not the federal government. Gavin Newsom and a bunch of other governors, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, governor of New Jersey, Washington, Oregon, they just ratcheted down, full total control. I talked to somebody from Oregon day before yesterday, and they just said, you know, (laughs) up here we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. Everything is taboo. The governor of our state is just locked everybody down, shut everything down, doesn't give a rip about the people. And exactly the opposite worked across the nation in states and governments that would do that. Wow. There's a bunch of other big stuff going on. We told you at the beginning of the show we had a big announcement to make. We said we'd do it at the end of the first hour. Tell you what, we're going to go ahead and let you know what's going on now. As of this morning... Our show and podcast format, those of you that listen regularly, you you know that every day when we do TNN Live, shortly, I mean minutes after the show is over, you can go grab that show in its entirely and download it in MP3 format. Doesn't cost anything. You go to our site, truthnewsnet.org, and on the radio player button at the homepage, that's that little green banner in the top right hand where it says, click to listen live when you click on that and that home page pops up that has the big arrow and you click on that big arrow to start today's show down at the bottom there's a list of dates with hyperlinks those are the dates and the hyperlinks for each of our shows you can always click at any time and get that show but there are a lot of people out there that are looking for conservative podcasts and they don't know where to go to get one so they go to places like Apple. Apple has a whole section in i their iTunes, 
that list podcasts that are presented, some daily, some weekly, some monthly, some sporadically, but you can divide them up. You can go into politics and there'll be a whole list of options there for you to choose. And if you go into conservative politics, starting today, as a matter of fact, already, if you go into conservative politics, you'll see TNN Live. Our podcasts are now daily on Apple iTunes. So we're glad that they reached out to us and accepted us. And there are some other companies, national companies, that specialize in distribution of podcasts that are also during this week. And we'll give you uh, the menu of who those are later in the week. But it's going up every day. A new one is coming up of distributing TNN Live. And all I can say about that is I want to thank you. Thank you all for reading. Thank you all for giving us your input, giving us suggestions and ideas. And of course, most importantly, as being here with us every day. You're faithful. We appreciate that. As always, anytime you want to weigh in with your opinions while the show is going on, you can do it. Doesn't cost you anything. We pay for the call. 866-37-TRUTH. 866-37-TRUTH. It's toll free. And that in all numbers is 866-378-7884. 866-378-7884. Isn't it interesting the way the news media frame the news? I mean, they control the news. And yeah, there is a conglomerate, especially of the leftist mainstream media outlets that coordinate with each other on the big stories of every day. We've told you this before, but let me, for those of you that don't, don't know what and how that happens, let me explain how it happens. There literally is a website. And to be able to go on that website, you have to be an accredited news person. You have to apply and they have to approve you and give you login credentials. But on this website every day, the mainstream media, entities like the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times, Chicago Tribune, even broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News is not invited, nor is Newsmax. Every one of those have people in their organizations that go there and they coordinate the stories that they're all going to present each day. Now, what does that do? Well, it certainly means that we're getting the same stuff from pretty much all of them, the mainstream media outlets anyway. And so they're controlling what we are hearing and seeing and listening to. And that gives them power over framing the news that actually gets out to the American people. That's a scary thing to think. And you add to that this horror that we've watched play out over the last year plus, big tech. I mean, that's the outlets where a lot of conservative news sites are able to disseminate their stories, which most of are not even covered by big media. And now big tech is taking it upon themselves to become publishers which they're by law not supposed to be doing. They have freedom from litigation for any of the content that anybody posts on their websites, Facebook, Twitter, Google, Instagram, all of them, 
They have been indemnified by you and me, the taxpayers, so you can't sue them for content on their shows. But what they can do, they can turn around and just cut you off, and they're doing it. Ad nauseum, no explanations. Oh, they give you an excuse, but that's all we ever hear. So how do we get good news? <laughs> how do we get the truth? How do we hear and see those things that they don't want us to see and hear? You got to research. You got to look. You got to dig in deep sometimes. I don't know if you're, if you're, uh, if you're getting any of the, the emails, the texts that come around from some of these. Uh, you wonder when you get them. Are these people real? Do they really... You know, the problem is there are a lot of people out there that are real that we don't know about because nobody else is propping them up. That's a scary thought, isn't it? But it's real. It's happening out there. And the only way to find out for sure, I would say, I would I would ask you, I would tell you every once in a while, go take a look. Click on a link and go look at what they're talking about. It may be drivel. But I got to, I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. Sometimes these people come up with a tidbit, a nugget that turns out to be the truth. And it can be about even the biggest stories of the day, like COVID-19 stuff, like vaccine stuff, like what's going on behind the scenes at this White House and the previous White House, what's really happening in Congress, who's doing what, who's doing who. (laughs) I mean, There's a plethora of information out there that we don't get if we just skim the headlines. One thing you may have missed this morning, first thing. It's now official. We all know that Rush Limbaugh was America's anchorman for more than 30 years. Nobody can replace him. Nobody can. But very interestingly and it's a very good thing, Rush inspired an entire generation of up-and-coming conservatives like this guy you're listening to now. Now, he was a couple of years older than me, but I found him, and I found him by what I just told you, a way to look at. You get an email, somebody's talking about somebody on a radio station. I happen to be doing an afternoon show at WTPI in Indianapolis, and my boss, who even today is a hardcore Democrat, he, he when he found out I'm a conservative, he said, do you listen to Rush Limbaugh? I said, who's Rush Limbaugh? WIBC in Indianapolis carried Rush's show. This is right when he went national. And he's still with WIBC in Indianapolis, at least until he passed away a couple of months ago. But I began to listen. And there are a bunch of other people like me that have done the same thing. So on Monday, this coming Monday, June 21st, it's called, they changed the name from the Rush Limbaugh Show. It's called Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. It debuts on Rush's EIB network in Rush's time slot, Monday through Friday from 11 till 2 o'clock Central Time. That's noon to 3 p.m on the East Coast. They tell us they're going to continue Russia's relentless pursuit of the truth. 
that Rush pioneered, combining serious discussion of issues with some irreverent humor. If you want to call the show, that number remains the same. I'll never forget it. 1-800-282-2882. Rush had that same number for 30-plus years. Now, there have been a lot of uh, tidbits dropped in the news about Dan Bongino of Fox News replacing Rush Limbaugh. And um, I think they jumped the gun because the EIB network, they have a chain of radio stations around the country. And I'm sure some of these stations, um, because they're looking for content, there were a lot of people that thought and questioned, like I did, after Rush passed away, what's going to happen? I even made predictions on this show that in broadcast media, especially radio, when there's a great person, somebody that's really good at what they do, is on the air for a number of years, people become family. I mean, people open up their homes and invite these radio hosts into their homes, basically, and they become an everyday thing, a fixture. So anytime a big powerhouse personality like a Rush Limbaugh passes away, the one or the ones that follow that person at the same place almost always fail miserably. Why is that? It's because everybody's going to compare, no matter how good they are at what they do, compare them to the predecessor. And it's hard when, when you become totally in the tank for some person for 20, 30 years, it's hard to just automatically say, I'll forget about them. I'm going to go with this guy. It happened here in Shreveport, Louisiana. Larry Ryan, a good friend of mine to this day, he was a fixture in Top 40 Radio, had the number one Top 40 Radio station in the nation on Keel Radio in Shreveport, Louisiana back in the 60s. He decided to buy a radio station and left. And the general manager of KEEL, Keel Radio, where Larry had been for 20-plus years, the general manager, instead of going and finding a high-profile, well-known, national-type individual to, police, uh, to replace Larry on Larry's morning show, he said, nope, I know who I want. Now, he didn't say this publicly. I found out later Billy Wilson was his name, the general manager, and he was later my general manager and a good friend until he passed away. He explained to me what he did. He knew who he wanted to get to permanently replace Larry Ryan. But he didn't bring this guy in from another city. He brought in some guy that nobody knew and just put him on the air, doing the morning show at Kill Radio. Well, that guy failed miserably. In six months, he was toast. Then, Billy Wilson went and got his replacement, Larry's replacement, a guy named Jeff Edmond, who became a monster in the morning on Keel Radio. And so whoever would have come in the next week or two weeks after Rush's death, they were doomed to fail because all of us, I mean, we wanted to hear Rush. So what they did at the EIB network, it was brilliant. Through the years, Rush was so topical at all of the things that he spoke about to all of us. Some of us every day, I couldn't listen every day, but those things were just treasures. They were nuggets of gold. And he always had a way not only to see and identify things in our political process among things that were done, things that weren't done, reasoning for why this happened and that happened, like no other person I've ever known. 
So what they did at the EIB Network is they brought in guest hosts until this coming Monday every day. And those guest hosts would, they would chime in on all of the things that were happening those specific days, but they very adeptly weaved into those and went back and picked out the sound bites of Rush explaining some of those exact same things that happened last year and the year before. And it was brilliant. I would have never thought of it. And if I'd thought of it, I would have never thought it would have been successful. But I'd tell you what they did. They saved the EIB network. Their ratings went up. The revenue from advertising, because the ratings went up, which meant more people were listening, advertisers were willing to pay more money to get their spots on the EIB network. It was still and is today the Rush Limbaugh show until next Monday. Then it's going to be the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. Let me just tell you this. I don't know Clay Travis. I've never listened to him. I know Buck Sexton. I like Buck Sexton. He's been around a while in our government, in our intelligence communities. So I encourage you, put next Monday, June 21st, 11 o'clock, your time, Shreveport time, Central time. Put it on your calendar and make sure that you tune to the station where you always listen to Rush Limbaugh. In my city, it's Keel Radio. And it's going to be interesting to see how Americans how we all respond to that. You know, Rush is gone. We can't change that. But the information, the perspective, all of the insights, and the process with which those insights were created and passed along to us, that hasn't changed. That's going to remain if people want it to and will allow it. It's going to remain. And if Clay and Buck pick up the mantle. And first of all, don't try to be Rush Limbaugh. And secondly, don't try to be bigger or better than Rush Limbaugh. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, the stuff that Rush did, that he said, the things that he reported to all of us and talked about, those things remain. And they'll be just as important, just as critical, if not more so today than they were when Rush was alive. You know, we all we all gonna leave the the earth the same way. I mean, we're all gonna die. There hadn't been but just a, three of them that didn't. That's interesting. We're just getting cranking, folks. Oh my gosh! There's a bunch of other stuff going on. There's COVID nineteen information that'll blow your mind. Seems that happens every day. Back after this short break here at Truth News Network. TNN Live, truthnewsnet.org. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. 
ten to the ten to the ten to the ten ten to the ten to the ten to the ten to the ten ten to ten ten. Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember ten ten ten. For ten days, sign up for ten dollars and pay just ten bucks a month. After that, hurry! You only have until November tenth to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on Forty Second Street, next to Shopco. Hi, Tom Bodet. Motel Six's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodet for the new improved Motel Six dot com, and we'll leave the light on for you. I always thought this song had a great intro. I like that. Papa was a Rolling Stone. Remember that one? What a great one. Hey, we're going to segue right into COVID-19. But first, I don't want to leave the um, Kamala Harris situation without letting you listen in. You know when she gets involved in talking, especially when she was in the U.S. Senate and um, she was on the Senate Judiciary Committee and those very important hearings that occurred, especially the ones with Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh when they were both just appointments to replace U.S. Supreme Court justices that had passed away. Um, very contentious, very much in your face. She interrupted people ad nauseum. I mean, it, it was it was horrible. She actually came off like being a ruthless witch. I mean, she talked down to everybody that was there testifying that they weren't a far leftist and didn't agree with her politically and wanted to answer in detail when they were asked a question. They wanted to be able to give their answers. She would just stop them. Make them shut up. Sit down. Well, we put a few of those together. Now, this may turn your stomach, but here, and by the way, she hasn't changed. She did this exact same thing last week when she was being asked questions by a Spanish reporter for a Spanish network. And this woman was trying to ask her a question, and Kamala basically told her to sit down and shut up. But here, just looking back a few years, Listen to how she handles conversations with people. And then what happens when they arrive at our borders? We, who have erected the Statue of Liberty, they arrive at our borders and we say, go back to where you came from. That is inhumane and it is immoral. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. There are legal methods by which migration can and should occur. But we, as one of our priorities, will discourage illegal migration. And I believe if you come to our border, you will be turned back. 
And of course, I picked the wrong sound bite to play. That's what happens when you don't have a studio engineer. What we were talking about, what you just heard, also very important. It's a hypocrisy that she exhibited and is exhibiting as Vice President of the United States. When she was campaigning, she sent the same messages to those south of the border as did candidate Joe Biden. We get in office, we're going to open the border. They didn't say open the border, but we're not going to turn you away. And then in her trip to Guatemala last week, she made it very clear. I guess because she didn't say it quickly and she didn't cackle. She thought it would come over being a little more realistic. We're not going to let you come in. We're going to turn you away. If you are an immigrant and you want to come to the United States, you are not going to be allowed to just walk in. And you heard her say it before, just like Joe. Y'all come on down, or in this case, y'all come on up. Don't we have enough hypocrisy in our government? Do we need any more? I mean, come on now. This stuff, folks, we'll get over on COVID-19 just for a moment. This stuff about where it sourced, where did it come from? And we all know, I mean, every thinking American, almost every American, has believed for more than a year it came out of that lab in Wuhan, China. In the very beginning of all of this, we gave you, and it's been immediately, shortly after we had it in our hands and gave it to you live on the air, it was an actual report that verified that it was two Chinese scientists from Wuhan, China that mysteriously went over to Canada and worked in a government-owned lab there for a couple of years on virus research. And they were working with a weaponized version, my word, not the actual word they used, weaponized, but a version of a SARS virus. And after they had pushed their research over the line very mysteriously in the middle of the night, those two Chinese scientists, they snuck away with those samples from the lab and then two days later showed up in Wuhan, China and went back to the Wuhan, China virology laboratory. And then all of a sudden, we start having those two and one other scientist get deathly ill from that lab. Didn't say it was the COVID-19 or the SARS virus that caused it just to report very seriously ill. Where there's smoke, there's fire. But that didn't fit the political narrative that our government wanted to tell us. And when I say our government, remember Donald Trump was president. But why, oh, why in the very beginning, when all of the COVID-19 stuff first began, how did Donald Trump connect with Dr. Anthony Fauci? You remember how that happened? Trump got a phone call. We need to meet. Phone call was from then-minority leader Chuck Schumer and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. They had a meeting and said, look, 
you're the president, but you're not a doctor. You don't know anything about virology, epidemiology. You need to get a person on the stage with you. This is going to be a serious issue for the American people. Nobody knew it was going to kill 600,000 people, but they predicted it was going to be a serious thing. It was going to turn into a pandemic. This is before any of that happened. So who do you think I need to put out there with me? And I'm paraphrasing what the conversation was between Schumer, Pelosi, and Donald Trump. But obviously, their choice was Dr. Anthony Fauci. He gets put on the front stage, and he has dominated the acceptable news versions of everything to do with this virus, with everything to do and not to do, and treating it and preventing it and uh, treating patients from it and things to not treat patients with from the very beginning. And anybody, including us here at Truth News Network, anybody that goes against any of those things that he said were factual, you're a crazy person, you're a sycophant, you're a white supremacist, you're racist, you don't know what you're talking about. And then day after day, week after week, month after month, Fauci was wrong. Fauci was wrong. He would come back and double down on being wrong, or he would come back and tell us something 180 degrees that he had told us previously and never gave an explanation and never one time, not one time, said he was wrong about anything. We won't go into all of them. You know what they are. But the big one on the table now is the original source. Where did COVID-19 come from? And of course, All of those folks, those being the quote-unquote experts, those that run with Dr. Anthony Fauci, and I'm including scientists, doctors, and hardcore leftist Democrats, it came from nature. On Monday's broadcast of ABC's Good Morning America, ABC News senior national correspondent Terry Moran, he's been with ABC for years, he reported that one of the scientists who signed a letter in the medical journal, The Lancet, that story and that letter dismissed the theory that COVID-19 came from a lab. This scientist now believes the lab leak theory is more probable, and he said the word several other signatories of the letter are now unsure that the virus did actually come from nature. The reporter Moran stated more than a year ago, top scientists published a letter in the prestigious medical journal Lancet that dismissed the lab leak theory, that called it a conspiracy theory. So ABC News reached out to all 27 of those scientists who signed the letter. A dozen responded. Several said they're not so sure this thing came from nature. And one scientist telling us he's flipped entirely and he believes that now the lab leak theory is more likely. Isn't it amazing? It's almost every day now. Somebody else comes out. Some other bit of information comes out. Some little piece of evidence comes out that says, this thing didn't happen accidentally. Well, hey, we haven't got to that far, have we? We're just now getting some of these scientists that are recanting and saying, well, maybe it didn't come from nature. So we got to get them over to saying, no, it didn't come It certainly didn't come from nature. It came from a lab, but we think it may have accidentally got released, and then we'll probably end up, listen closely to what I'm about to say, we're probably going to end up at, yes, it came from a lab, and yes, 
It was manipulated in that lab to be a weaponized bioweapon. And yes, it wasn't accidentally released. It was released purposely on the world. Are you predicting that, Dan? Listen closely. Watch it. Whatever it is, watch it. If it quacks and if it waddles, it's a duck. Yeah, I believe that's what happened. I've suspected it for a long time. I've actually never called it, oh yeah, this is what happened. And I'm not there yet. But I will tell you this, my um, for certain meter, is it's been down around the 20% mark for a long time. But it's at about the 56, 57% level now. I'm pretty sure this thing happened and it was purposely released from the Wuhan Laboratory of Virology. And I hate to think that's going on, but I think we're going to find out that stuff like this has been happening around the world for a long time. We need to move off the COVID-19 stuff. How about that? Isn't it interesting? Many days in this last year, many days, almost every story had to do with COVID-19, the sources, the treatment, hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, all of the hoo-ha about medication. Put them on a vent. Don't put them on a vent. I'm getting off of that. Let me give you a good report. Got a good friend, Hispanic man, lived in Northwest Louisiana, great family, Hispanic family, four young boys that grew up in our church. They were good friends of ours. The company that he worked for here for a long time went out of business, sold. It was actually absorbed by a bigger company. And he got a management job in Texas, Southeast Texas, at Bluebell Ice Cream. What a great job to have. So his family moved down there. And uh, I guess 10, 15 years ago have been there. Kids have grown up. Several of them have gotten married. That happens to all of us. Our kids just grow up. They become adults and begin to mimic moms and dads because they're becoming moms and dads. Anyway, Al is his name. Al was diagnosed last week, as was his wife, with COVID-19. Now, he's a couple of years younger than me. And he doesn't have comorbidity problems, doesn't have any real contributing problems. But anyway, he got a really bad case of it. And we got some news that late last week he had to be airlifted to uh, a bigger city so that he could get treated. He was in intensive care, put him on a vent a couple of days ago, which is usually, as you know, the death knell of somebody with a bad case of COVID. It's hard, even in anything other than COVID-19. Just so you know, usually when a patient is put on a ventilator, it's really tough to get them back off that ventilator successfully. And so we begin to pray. Al, he's off the ventilator. He's breathing on his own. His pulse ox came up really, really well, and he's doing good today. You know what that proves? Sometimes we really don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) Sometimes things aren't anything like what we think. And I am glad in this case that the glass is half full and not half half empty as it pertains to Al Guajardo. Good friend of mine. Great guy. A lot of stories like that around the nation. 
And I think we would hear more of them if we all knew the truth about this disease, this virus. Do you think we'll ever know all the facts about what went on? When you look at the election, the 2020 election, the same questions are viable. Do you think we'll ever know anything about what actually happened? I don't know. I hope so. But I'm not confident in either case that we're ever going to know the total truth. I mean, you look back in history, we've seen things like that happen all the time. Did Lee Harvey Oswald actually assassinate John F. Kennedy? When his brother was assassinated, was that some kind of corrupt thing that was planned and perpetrated by a multitude of people that didn't like him and didn't want him in the White House? I, all these things, we, I mean, here we are. Where's Jimmy Hoffa? <laughs> we know he's dead. We don't even know for sure he's dead. We never found a body. Through history, there have been constant happenings like this. And that's an issue. Anyway, we've got some other issues that are really horrible here in the United States. The crime, the deaths, people getting killed, the murders, especially in our big cities, it just keeps going up and up and up. Yesterday, one person was killed, two were wounded in a shooting tied to a mask policy, a COVID-19 mask policy, in a Georgia grocery shore just after 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon. 30-year-old Victor Lee Tucker reportedly argued with the cashier over the store's mask policy when he was up there checking out. He was hacked off. He ended up leaving the store, didn't close the purchase, and he came back with a handgun and he shot the cashier who died. A second cashier got a superficial wound when she was grazed by a bullet. A reserve deputy who worked security at the store, he exchanged gunfire with the suspect. Both were wounded. The Georgia official Bureau of Investigation report said this. Two responding DeKalb County Police Department officers arrested Tucker. That's a guy's name who was the shooter as he was attempting to crawl out the front door of the supermarket. Victor Lee Tucker Jr., that happened there. But then this morning, right before we went live on the air up in Chicago, another shooting in Chicago. I don't have the detail. Let me let me look real quickly just to see if the details are out right now. I mean, this was 10 minutes before we went live here at TNN Live. Let me see if that uh, the details of that shooting are there. I don't see an update. We'll have, but but more and more and more, the murder rates are up in big cities across the board. Rapes are up. Gunshot wounds are up. All types of criminality are up, and this is in the wake of egregious COVID nineteen lockdowns around the nation, and also people losing their jobs because of lockdowns. Companies are closing, not able to reopen. We don't even know the number, but hundreds, especially of small businesses, had to close, couldn't get employees when they came back, and just went out of business permanently. Yeah, it's true. Our government is pumping money 
through unemployment benefits to help those that have lost their jobs, but it's looking more and more every day like it's a problem because that federal unemployment money that's being sent every week to states to pass out on top of state unemployment benefits to those who aren't working, that it's keeping people from even going back to work, especially in the entertainment and restaurant industries. Those people are actually making more money sitting on their butts at home than they would be if they were back working. Now, what does that mean? Those people, they're still getting money, but unfortunately for most of them, if they don't go back to work in a very short time, the restaurants and the entertainment venues at which they worked previously aren't going to be able to get employees. They're going to shut down. And when those people, when this unemployment, federal unemployment benefit runs out, they're not going to have a place to go back to work. This is going to, I promise you, it's going to turn into still one more tragedy on the watch of those in the Biden administration. In the name of trying to help people through a a real negative thing that the people in the United States didn't choose for themselves, didn't cause themselves, but our government, our federal government, primarily caused all this to happen, it's going to be really difficult for us to crawl out of this. Let's pray that we can. And in this lawlessness thing, that's a hard term to say, lawlessness thing that we're dealing with around the nation, do you know where Buckhead is in Atlanta? It's up on the north side. It's a very, very wealthy suburban area of Atlanta. And it's full of rich liberals. There are other conservatives that are there. Don't get me wrong, but rich liberals, they pretty much control Buckhead itself. And they don't think the Atlanta Police Department is doing a good job at keeping them safe. And so what do they want to do? They want to secede from the city limits of Atlanta, get their own police force. And folks, if you've ever been to the Buckhead area of Atlanta, if you've not been there and you go to Atlanta next time, you got to go check it out. It's a beautiful residential and commercial neighborhood in the northwest corner of the city. It's not really big. Fewer than 80,000 people live there, but it's fair to say that without Buckhead, Atlanta, at least the way it's currently run, wouldn't even be there. Taxes from Buckhead residents account for a fifth of Atlanta's entire city budget. You'd think the people who run the city would be pretty polite to Buckhead, but that's not what's happening. For decades, mayors of Atlanta, they just summarily attack Buckhead as if there's something offensive or immoral about keeping a clean and orderly neighborhood. Boy, that's a novel idea today, isn't it? For the most part... The residents of Buckhead, they've just sat there and shut up. They keep sending their tax dollars to the city, though. They've continued to send huge amounts of money to a city government that hates them. And for politicians in Atlanta, it's been a really good deal. They can politically, with their group, they can just attack Buckhead, take the money. Buckhead people don't say a thing. Well, the current mayor... A spectacular mediocrity with unusually high self-esteemer called Keisha Lance Bottoms. And like so many of these big city mayors run by Democrats around the nation, 
Bottoms, the mayor, is an incompetent demagogue. She has no idea what she's doing. She's willing to say anything. Whenever she's talking, giving a speech or an interview, she wants to talk and she'll say anything to please the person she's talking to. Like most people who live in cities, they know this drill. They're used to it. But then what happened? Last summer, folks, things changed. You may have heard about this. That guy, Rayshard Brooks, he was shot to death in a Wendy's parking lot by an Atlanta police officer. Brooks was apparently drunk. He had fallen asleep in his car in the drive-thru at this Wendy's. And when the cops tried to arrest him, he went nuts. You saw the video at the time. You saw the audio bite. You heard it. We played it here. It's painful. When Brooks stole a cop's taser and he pointed it at that cop, another officer called Garrett Wolf shot him. It was sad, but understandable once you watched the video, thought about it carefully. Keisha Lance Bottoms didn't wait to think at all. The mayor, she went nuts. Without even pausing for an investigation, she immediately fired Officer Wolf, then issued a predictably self-righteous press release about it. An independent board later found what Bottoms did was illegal. What she did was illegal. Not what he did. Not what Officer Wolf did. But what the mayor did was illegal. But it was too late. Hundreds of Atlanta police officers bailed from the force. Those who stayed understood very well there was no point in arresting anybody. They were going to just always drop the charges. Who would want to be Officer Wolf? (laughs) Nobody. Response times have plummeted in Atlanta. You call the cops, they don't come. Crime has soared. Criminals found that even when you're arrested for violent crimes there, you can get back on the street a couple of days, but you're going to be out. Can you guess what happened next? Oh my gosh. Here's an Atlanta news report. This from a perpetrator. This is on video. Quote, you want me to break your effing window? Now this is a reporter that this perpetrator is speaking to. The reporter, Eliana Kovic and her boyfriend were shocked to learn the man seen in this video who was accused of attacking them was just out on bond. The couple was outside of a Mercedes-Benz dealership. Where? In Buckhead. In June. A man started to threaten him. The victim said this. He took out his knife, said he had a gun. He kept telling us he was going to kill us. The reporter said, Kovic says the violent words soon turned physical. The victim. He came around the other side of the car and punched my boyfriend in the left side of his face Then he punched me and punched me again. I fell to the ground and blacked out. The reporter then said, The suspect, Fakhradivine Moore, was arrested and charged with seven felonies for the attack. However, here we go, he was released on bond. As Kovic and her boyfriend did some digging, they learned Moore had been arrested just days before in Clayton County in Georgia. Victim said this. It was for misdemeanor battery charges. Then he was released, and while he was out on bail from Clayton County, that's when he attacked us. He threatened to kill them. He punched a woman in the face. What did they do to him? Nothing. 
They were just standing on the street in front of a Mercedes dealership. Maybe it's because they were in Buckhead, and maybe it was because they were at a Mercedes dealership, and this guy who obviously had a rough past, he just hated it. And Buckhead murders year-to-date. Listen to how that has changed. They're up 50%. That's a bunch of new dead people. Robberies, aggravated assaults, up by 40%. Car thefts, 65% up. Lenox Square Mall in Buckhead, one of the first indoor shopping malls in the nation. You can't even go there now because it's too dangerous. Starting last year, someone was getting shot at the mall at least once a month, every month. In December of 2019, a Macy's employee was shot during a robbery at the store. The following January, a man trying to defend himself from an armed robber was shot by a cop by mistake. In February, a drug deal led to a gun battle outside of Bloomingdale's. We're not talking about in a bad neighborhood, folks. Anybody that knows anything about in the southeast of the United States, Buckhead and Atlanta, it's a great suburb. Everybody in greater Atlanta would love to live there if they could. In March last year, a dispute over a parking space outside the Cheesecake Factory led to more gunfire, killed somebody. Authorities decided they needed security medical metal detectors. They put cops' dogs throughout the mall. They set up a network of security cameras with software to detect firearms. It seemed like it would work, but it didn't. Why? There was too much violence that had been benignly accepted for too long. Just two months ago, a gunman beat a 60-year-old woman next to her car in the mall's parking lot, stole her purse. Atlanta cops said somehow none of their cameras caught the crime. A witness, a guy named James Glass, says he never saw any police officers or security during the assault, even though the attacker took his time beating the woman because he was enjoying it too much. Now listen to this, folks. If criminals can terrorize a suburb like Buckhead in Atlanta and the cops don't do anything, and the reason the cops don't do anything is because the administration, a mayoral administration in their city, smiles on that, basically just waves it off. We're not going to mess with that. Those people are wealthy. And not everybody up there is rich, folks. There are apartment complexes up there, too, with middle-income people. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's in a low economic neighborhood or if it's in a wealthy economic neighborhood. The rule of law is the same. Crime and criminals, lawbreakers, have got to be treated the same no matter what the zip code is. Anywhere and everywhere. It's not. It's not happening. That's why we see all this stuff going on every day, day after day, in places like Atlanta, New York City, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Detroit, Chicago, Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, Oregon. People are going to take advantage of the system if it's seen to be in their benefit as long as they can. If they're not held accountable for their evil wrongdoing and lawbreaking. What do you expect them to do? Just sit down and shut up and be still? No, they're just going to keep right on going on doing those same things. And who pays the price? People that aren't protected by lawmakers and politicians who takes 
oath of office saying, I promise to protect and serve. Protecting citizens is the job number one for all people in government. In Atlanta, they failed. If I was living there, if I was in Buckhead, under all these circumstances and seeing what's been allowed by City Hall all these years, I'd feel the exact same way, and I'm sure you would be too. Let's go back to Europe. Let's go back to Joe Biden meeting with Vladimir Putin tomorrow. Let's go back to Joe Biden. And he's been in front of the media more than he has been his entire time so far in office as president just on this trip to Europe. But the reporters over there, folks, they're hacked off. (laughs) Go figure. Frustrated U.S. reporters across several of the mainstream outlets called out President Biden yesterday because he excluded them from a meeting with Turkish President Recep Erdogan at the very last minute, leaving them confused and forced to rely on Erdogan's communications team for public updates on the meeting. Now, let me just tell you this. I spent some time in Europe a few years ago, was there for a couple of months, and I actually was set up to go to a meeting with Turkish President Erdogan in Istanbul. And my caretaker in U.S. government called me and said, if you're going to that meeting, I'm sending guards, security guards with you. You're to go to only one hotel, never leave that hotel. I'll have somebody meet you at the airport when you come off the plane and put you on the plane to go back to to, uh, Northern Europe when it's over. And it so scared me to death that I refuse to even go do the meeting. It's spooky over there. Turkey is a strange country, and their politics are even stranger. In this regard, in this meeting with Erdogan, there can't be a good expected outcome for that to happen. It's pretty spooky because Turkey's a member of NATO, and so we have to integrate with their political leaders. The press pool that went with Biden on this trip were initially granted access to the meeting with Erdogan at the annual NATO summer, but in a last-minute decision by Biden's White House, reporters were left out of the room. That came just a day after Biden told reporters in a press conference in the UK he would get in trouble with the staff if he didn't wrap up what he was saying in that particular press conference. That's probably why they wouldn't let him in the room with Erdogan, because they didn't want Biden to get in front of the press and talk about the meeting with Erdogan. He'd tell the truth. He doesn't know better right now. These reporters have gone crazy. On Twitter, they said they only learned that the meeting was in progress from Erdogan's press office. His press office tweeted out images of the meeting. Turkish TV released a video of the introduction between the two leaders. Now, how dare you, Mr. President? How dare you keep us from going to any meeting that we say we're supposed to go to? You don't do that to us. We're the mainstream media. We're the ones that got you elected by jingos. You owe us complete, unfettered access to everything you do in government with whoever you do it and do it live. You got to do that we're going to make you go sit down and put a lid on your day and stop being president. 
like he really is. Right? Supreme Court activity going on. You're going to love this. That's next. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Dear Daddy. Dear Mom. I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. When Bolshevik Barbie throws shade, you have the weapon of light. The truth. DNN. The Truth News Network. U.S. Supreme Court is back in business. Yesterday, they rejected an election lawsuit. A lawsuit that targeted the voting process in the state of California. That case challenged California's electoral process that claimed that the state's so-called winner-take-all system dilutes the voters' votes. That's an interesting, interesting perspective. The lawsuit was filed, by the way, by comedian Paul Rodriguez, Rocky Chavez, the League of United Latin American Citizens, and the California League of United Latin American Citizens. It asked the Supreme Court to look into whether the winner-take-all approach to selecting presidential elections was even constitutional. So attorneys for the group, who are both reportedly Republicans, by the way, argued that California's system results in the appointment of members of only one party to the nation's largest electoral college delegation. Chavez previously served in the California State Assembly, and he ran during the 2018 midterm elections in California's 49th Congressional District. According to the lawsuit, this process is not within the Constitution. Talking about that winner-take-all process. And is instead a partisan invention by states that has become the default for the nation. The suit also asserts the process severs connection between voters and presidential candidates. On June 14th, the Supreme Court declined to even hear the lawsuit by issuing an order that wasn't even signed by anybody. The court didn't provide an explanation at all. Lawyers for Governor Gavin Newsom, who was obviously the defendant in the suit, pushed back saying there's no cause for concern and California doesn't treat any voter or group of voters differently from any others. 
While a winner-take-all system of awarding a presidential elector certainly raises the stake of victory, it does not interfere with the petitioner's ability to associate freely with the political party of their choice or otherwise deprive them of an equal opportunity to win votes. Now, by the way, just because the Supreme Court declined to hear the case, it has nothing to do with the merits of the case. What they're doing, the Supreme Court is doing, folks, what they are doing is actually saying, we as a court, we don't want to get involved in election matters. The states are empowered in the U.S. Constitution to control 100% of all of the elections, even for federal officials. There are things in the Constitution, in one article, I think it's Article 3, but it basically mandates that the elections have got to be free and open, but it doesn't go into the operating procedures. That's why Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer presented this H.R. 1 bill that became S-1 in the Senate after it was passed in the House of Representatives that will dismantle America's election system the way it's been structured since it was created in the constitutional days. Our forefathers gave control of each election to each of the 50 states. Pelosi and Schumer want to take all of the authority for that and put it in the Fed's pocket. What does that mean? If that would happen... That would mean the Democrat Party virtually will stay in power forever. Think about that. Because they would control the elections. They would decide what was cheating, what was required by voters. Could absentee ballots just be mailed out in mass without being requested? All those kind of things would be at the whim of whoever was in charge, whatever political party was in charge nationally. And of course, if they ever get elected and get control in Congress, which they basically have now, though they only have an eight-vote majority in the House of Representatives, they're never going to let it go. They're going to fight like no way they ever have politically to keep control of both the United States Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives. And controlling elections, what better way to do just that? Stacey Abrams. You know who she is. She ran for governor. Brian Kearns beat her bad in Georgia. She, from the beginning, has maintained it was because of cheating, voter suppression. She was the one that came out after Georgia's Senate and House of Representatives passed a voter reform law after the uh, the, uh, November 2020 election and all of the problems that came through from that. They said, we've just got to firm this up. And they did. What I consider, I've read the law, I looked at the old law, a much better law. It doesn't suppress votes, like she says, in no way. And when she was asked point blank in multiple national interviews, she couldn't give examples of how that law suppresses voters in Georgia. But nevertheless, she's still out there screaming it. Yesterday, on MSNBC's The Readout, She said that Republican state lawmakers forwarding voting legislation is a continuation of the January 6th Capitol riot insurrection. And she says this is not hyperbole. She's not talking just about Georgia's law. Thirteen other states are considering legislation to shore up problems in their individual election processes. She's attacking them. 
We got to pay attention to the fact these laws do things, she said. One, they are anti-voter. They are designed to stop voters the Republicans found inconvenient in this last election. Namely, she said, young people, people of color, the disabled. Number two, these are anti-election worker bills. They're designed to get good people to abandon their post, to criminalize those who still want to do their job, and to replace them with those who will undermine the administration of elections. Three, they're designed to subvert democracy. The challenge is to the extent we have secretaries of state who support and suborn this behavior, they are hastening the demise of our democracy. And this is not hyperbole, she said. This is exactly what happens across the world when, you know, past long-standing democracies start to erode. As she finished with this, quote, we know there are a number of U.S. senators who stand to lose their elections in 2022 if we do not protect our democracy. But we also have to remember that beyond each individual candidate, it's about who we are as a people, as a nation. Are we willing to lose our nation to those who had the failed insurrection in January and decided to franchise it to every single state? The insurrection is continuing. We have got to stop it in its tracks. Let me just sum it up by pointing this out. Never, Never did she give any examples to back up any of the allegations that she made. She never has. She never does. She won't because there are none. If you're going to come screaming and hollering, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, give us some proof. Give us some evidence that suggests that anything you're alleging has any truthfulness tied to it. She won't do it. She can't do it. But yet, you know what she's doing? She is living out the epitome of true, hardcore racism, of the denigration of people of color, and she's African American herself. This is the most egregious thing that, in my opinion, has happened in America the last 20 years, this exact attitude. First of all, to be able to get on a national show hosted by an African American woman, I get that, to get on an African-American show as an African-American, a political pundit, which Stacey Abrams is, and claim that African-American voters do not have the mental capacity nor the desire to find out for themselves if there's a problem with the voting laws in their states. And if there are They can go public and talk about them. They don't and will not and should not do what Stacey Abrams does, which goes and screams to the heavens all kinds of lies perpetrating that African-American people are stupid. They can't do it. You know who is horrendously offended by this kind of stuff? Those African-American people. I've heard interview after interview with African-American voters And they were asked, is it racist to expect that an African-American person should provide a picture voter ID? In those interviews, multiple interviews on the streets of Brooklyn, New York, other boroughs in New York City, among African-American people, to a person, nobody said, yeah, it's racist. In fact, they said the exact opposite is true, that people who claim African-American people cannot, don't have the ability, and it would be a a task that would be racist to force them 
to have picture IDs. You know what every one of those people said? We already have them. In fact, one woman really got upset, African-American woman, really got upset on camera, and she said, people who say that about us, they're being racist themselves. All they are are power junkies trying to put African-American people down and control how we act, tell us what we think, and anything we think that doesn't line up with them, they tell us we're stupid. They're the ones being racist. Folks, you don't fix racism with racism. It's impossible to do it. It is not the cure. It is the disease. And there is no disease that's ever been among men in any place in U.S. history or world history where the actual disease is what it takes to get rid of the disease. It doesn't work that way. Wow, what a day. Thank you so much for being here today. Again, our big news, Apple Podcast starting today is carrying all TNN Live shows in their entirety at Apple Podcast. Go to the iTunes Score show, go to the uh, the uh, podcast section, and just do a search for TNN Live. You can download the show there. Of course, you can download every show for free. Just go to our website. In minutes after we sign off here, which we're in the process of doing now, you'll be able to get today's podcast. Scroll down to the bottom of today's story at truthnewsnet.org. There'll be a red hyperlink there. If you want this show, click on it. You can download it and keep it or spread it around. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 9. Have a great day. Thank you so much for being here and part of the TNN Live family. See you then.
This is a Carol King tune, um, a pure Carol King tune. Uh, I heard it for the first time standing right there with that beam.